Howdy folks, welcome back to The Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and beware there will be spoilers. On Twitter, you can reach me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L. I post the episodes when they're live on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page, the website bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit, and the email address usagipodcast at gmail.com. Now, as far as spoiling, Usaki Ojimbo Volume 3 Issue, excuse me, Volume 4 Issue 3 from IDW, cover dated August 2019. If I recall, this was released just the prior Wednesday to when I sit and record this on Saturday. The story is Bunraku Part 3, the final part of this first story arc under the IDW banner. Our dramatis personae include Miyamoto Usagi, our protagonist, Sasuke, our co-protagonist, Takagi, our antagonist, and the puppet demon. Now, that's kind of a generic term, but that's the best I could come up with after having read these three issues. We open with Takagi sucking the life juice out of a poor village person in the village where the Banraku Theater is. Interestingly enough, this just this very moment occurred to me. It seems, having read this story, that the Banraku are set up here in this town permanently. I wonder what they have done to hide all the desiccated corpses that it would have taken to keep Takagi alive. That was never mentioned, never brought up. I'm curious. Okay. Moving on, Usagi and Sasuke come up They confront Takagi, who hisses back at them, ignoring Usagi at first and focusing on Sasuke, which I'm curious, again, with what we find out later in the story, how Takagi knows Sasuke. The puppet demon, yes. Takagi, uh, I don't know. But they confront back and forth about, oh, you're the good guy, oh, you're the bad guy, well, I'm going to stop you, no, you're not going to stop me, etc., etc., We have a two-page spread here where the upper two-thirds of the two-page spread is a scene of Sasuke and Usagi facing down the six puppets, the puppet demon and Takage, as they choose up straws and begin to fight. The puppets attack Usagi and Sasuke attacks Takagi. Now, Takagi runs off because this is, he, he's kind of out in the open. He's wanting to find his place of power, uh, which we will find out is the actual theater. Why that's the case, we, we never find out, but that's just what Takagi says as he runs off. Sasuke runs off behind him, telling Usagi, take care of the puppets, Usagi, I'm going after Takagi. And Usagi says, what? Because that only makes it seven to one uh, against Usagi. Several pages of him fighting the puppets and the puppet demon. The police arrive on scene, and as soon as they realize what's going on, they start calling for reinforcements. When they do, the six puppets and puppet demon turn their attention from Usagi to the two police officers, which they quickly kill. Now, I'm a little confused by Usagi here, because he sees this and he stops. Um... He looks at the two police officers and says out loud, they stood no chance against those puppets. And when he looks up, he says, but where did they go? If I had any sense, I would not get any more involved. So, because he doesn't immediately see the puppets, 
and the puppet demon that just tried to kill him. He suddenly has self-doubt as to whether he should do anything else. With the tweet-tweeting of the call whistles behind him of approaching police officers, two police officers dead at his feet. He has confusion as to what to do. Now, I, I find that odd because in my mind, the very first thing I would do is get away from the bodies so that the friends of the officers coming up don't think I'm the one that put them there. Everything else is secondary. I'll figure everything else out later after I do that and get clear of this very bad scene. Ultimately, after hearing the whistles a couple times and contemplating out loud a couple more times, a couple panels there, he finally decides to go and realizes that they probably are running back to the theater, so that's where I'll go. And he runs off. And as he's running through the streets of this village, he passes a tokage, which is cool, because since Spot was uh, given to uh, Zato, right? I believe it was Zato. Um, we don't see too many Tokagis. I really miss Spot. I wish Spot was still the companion of Usagi, much as Roferto uh, is is or was for much longer the companion to Gru. I always thought that was cool, having a, a pet like that that you could bounce back and forth with in the story. So we cut to Sasuke chasing Takagi. Takagi goes back into the theater through the back door, which is only half half height. And uh, Sasuke runs up and conjuring a blue orb as opposed to the yellowish orb from last issue. He throws it against the wall of the theater and just blows a gigantic hole in the wall. As Sasuke steps through, he confronts Takage, who has drawn his katana, and there are several panels of sword fighting between the two. Then the six puppets and puppet demon are there. So they attack Sasuke as he is attacking their master, Takagi. They hold him down. Takagi comes up, does this face-to-face, nose-to-nose, eyeball-to-eyeball thing with Sasuke, and is starting to drain his life juices out of him. Usagi arrives, attacks the puppets from behind, drawing their attention and the puppet demon. So once again, it is seven to one bad guys against Usagi, and one to one Sasuke versus Takagi. As their fighting of wills continues, we see suddenly that Takage gets frightened and he is killed by Sasuke, um, let's say, draining his life juices from him. That's kind of what it looks like. I, I guess that's what it's meant to be, uh, particularly here later on from something that uh, Sasuke says. I may have... No, no, I guess we, we did see that. Um, Sasuke assumed that the animated puppets would die when Takagi died because he was animating them, but they did not. So as Usagi is fighting and Sasuke enters the fray, they're talking back and forth about what to do. Usagi realizes that there have been six puppets, but there are seven here. And so as they're looking around to try to determine, they focus on this female puppet that turns out to be a demon or a a puppet animated by demon. It's the individual that I've been calling the puppet demon. So Sasuke turns his attention on it slash her, 
calling it just a demon, so perhaps it's not been a wooden puppet. Perhaps that is a, a physical demon just looking very similar to the puppets as, as to blend in. So now Sasuke is fighting this demon with Usagi fighting the puppets. And as he has found before, just because you cut portions of the puppets away doesn't kill the puppets. They remain animated. So you have half puppets crawling at him and arms crawling at him and, and things like that as he's hacking away at these wooden puppets. Uh, panel after panel of fighting, we see Sasuke uh, shoot out some sort of magic energy spell at the demon. This time it's a, a yellowish ray that emits from his hand. Usagi is being overwhelmed by these demons and in a very frightened, uh, nay, terrified visage on his face. I, I don't recall seeing this too often from Usagi. He's completely terrified. He yells out, my sword cannot kill these wooden demons. And Sasuke, as he's fighting off magic spells thrown by the puppet demon, uh, yells out, you're right, they're made of wood. And what is one thing that destroys wood? And so the katana that Sasuke is holding, he transmorphs or transmogrifies or whatever the word would be from metal, uh, the, the blade itself, into a blade of fire. And this fire is able to extinguish the magic spells that the puppet demon is throwing at him. And ultimately, he uses it to set the puppet demon on fire. And as soon as it catches fire and dies, then the six animated puppets fall as if inanimate as well. Now, Usagi is very bedraggled. Uh, he moves up to help uh, Sasuke, who is fallen over, lost his sword because of his weakness. We see the puppet demon here uh, burning, and it's a very interesting looking demon now that it has lost that uh, illusion of looking like the puppets. And Sasuke turns his attention to Usagi, and we see that Sasuke, over the years, has suffered much as a demon queller, because right now his energies are very low, uh, probably just enough, I would imagine, to keep him alive. Even though he absorbed the energy of, of Takagi, um, his fight with the puppet demon has diminished him as well. And between that and fighting the uh, fighting and killing the demon right before taking on this assignment, basically. Um, Sasuke is very beat up and old. He's blind in one eye. He's got scars. He's, he, he just looks really, really bad. The police arrive, and as Usagi is helping Sasuke out, the police stop them and say, you can't leave. There are questions you have to answer. Two officers were killed tonight. What do you know about that? And... Sasuke looks up and gives them the, these are not the droids you're looking for motion. And as he does that, he says, you never saw us. And the um, police officer suddenly stares at us because the camera's facing him and kind of mumbles, we never saw you here. So these are not the droids. So they're frozen. Usagi and Sasuke manage to get away. The on the, the village people are coming onto the scene now, having heard rumors and this is and that's, and they, they want to rubberneck. So as they're going towards the theater, Usagi and Sasuke are going against uh, flow to get away from everything. Several days later, we're told, Usagi is telling Sasuke as they're both walking out of the village, 
The authorities were surprised when they discovered the entire Bunraku staff were really puppets. They will never figure out that mystery. Usagi says, it looks like the rest did you some good. And Sasuke says, yes, but it will be a while until I am my full strength again. Usagi, at least I was able to get my clothes mended. Where will you go now? Sasuke, wherever I am told. What about you? Where will you go? Usagi, wherever I want. Abeo, Sasuke. And farewell to you, Usagi. And that ends this first story arc of the IDW chapter of Usagi Ojimbo, entitled Bunraku. Three parts. Splash page here, the cover of issue four that will be coming up in mm, September, I believe is when it's supposed to come out. All right. So, Miyamoto Usagi, Sasuke, Takagi, and a demon uh, in the form of a puppet were our dramatis personae, protagonists, antagonists. Uh, No real introductions to new words. Bunraku, we have seen before. That is the uh, traditional puppet uh, style of Japan. Now, for my third installment, looking at the stories in the 35th anniversary Usagi Yojimbo tribute book as put together by members of the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo page, we look at story number five. This is my third installment covering this. Story number five is entitled Noboru, if I am pronouncing that correctly. Let me look here in the front. I may have misspelled it when I wrote it down. Ah, Nobuyo. N-O-B-U-O, Nobuyo. And that I may as well be pronouncing incorrectly. And if so, I am sorry about that, Mr. Danny Suguro, who is the artist, writer, creator. We see a samurai um, walrus, which is a little different. As he is journeying through the forest, he comes to a crossroads sign and takes the road towards Sakai, Japan. All the while thinking to himself, it's been many years since I met the person who inspired me. I walked away from the life I knew and never looked back. But just as migrating birds return in the spring, I was it was only a matter of time before I too would feel a need to go back. So I wonder, is that his creation or is that a uh, reflection on the life that Mr. Sugoro has led, he feels? Perhaps both. So we're taken back in time 20 years to Sakai, Japan, where there is an annual tournament of masters. And Nobuyo is here watching with other young ones as they see a ronin enter the tournament and win. A ronin by the name of Usagi Yojimbo. Years later, as he has grown older, he is sitting in the forest at one point, Nobuyo, and he's uh, bemoaning. Uh, where he is in life, compared to where he wants to be or where he thought he would be. And he is confronted by a much aged Usagi Ojimbo. His ears are furry. He has a big furry mustache and a very furry beard. And he counsels the young walrus as to not giving up on your dream. Just because you are somewhere that you do not believe your dream fits, it does not mean that you cannot dream and achieve that dream. Though the lotus is in a muddy pond, when it blooms, is the lotus not pretty? That's, that's his analogy. Usagi tells him of a shrine uh, seen over by Gabo, who, when the time is right and Nobuyo has made the journey, will instruct him on the ways of samurai, helping him get to the point, the place where he wants to be, that he is bemoaning as a child he will never be. 
Well, the time comes. Naboyo makes the journey. He is taught by Gabo. And we now are at the point where, as a samurai, the walrus has returned back to Sakai for the annual tournament of masters and is prepared to show himself as a master. So we have a full circle kind of story, I believe. And the creator... Danny Seguro tells us here at the end, special thanks to Sakai Sensei, my wife Sabrina, our kids Selena, Cruz, and Thea, Gabriel, Gabo, Batista, Buster Moody, Steve Hubble, and the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo. Now, Steve Hubble is the gentleman who is a member of the dojo and a huge Stan Sakai Usagi fan who is very largely. Uh, responsible for putting together this book uh, for being published, as well as many other things. Uh, he did a uh, put together another tribute book to the dojo itself a couple years back, and he he's he is that type of person that always seems to be there to help the group. Uh, if you are fortunate enough to be in a group that has that person, it's it's an awesome thing to watch, uh, and and you wonder, as I do, about wow, what do they have outside of what you see to keep them occupied that they still have time for what you see as far as their involvement and the things they do and everything like that. For me, that is Mr. Hubble and the dojo. He is the administrator, one of the administrators of the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook page. Um, So he ultimately is one that allows me to post these episodes of the Ronin Rabbit on their page. And I I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you very much. And I'm pretty sure, having said that, that he listens to every episode. So thank you. All right. Our sixth story and the last one that I will talk about this episode as I look at the time. Not too bad. It is Of Sisters, Mothers, and Daughters by Amy Lester. Now, looking through the rest of the stories, there are ten Yes, there are ten in the book. One, I believe, is by a husband and wife, but this is the only female-led story, I would assume, by looking at the creator's names. So that's cool that we have a female entrant in this, because that means the story is drawn and written with a different sensibility than a a male can give it. No... uh, Judgment value added just for me an observation. Women just see and do things different from men, just flat out. And let me look in the back here and see if Amy gives us anything. She's from Central Florida. She's been a member of the dojo since the beginning, it seems, 2005. I believe that's when it started. Um, And again, talks about the influence that Mr. Sakai has had on her person and her art. Now, here we see um, her art is very different. Flipping through here. Yeah, very different from anything else we have seen. It is a very obvious manga slash anime inspired art. Um, To me, it's reminiscent of the uh, BESM style, Big Eye, Small Mouth, although it's not to that extreme. It's it's reined in quite a bit, but as soon as I saw it, it, it very much reminded me of a very anime, probably more than the manga, uh, although there are probably manga in the style, I just don't read them. Uh, very anime-inspired influence. Usagi and Gen and K 
Kyoko. Um, I really dig the way Amy is drawing Gen. Uh, his horn has been cut off, but being a rhinoceros, he is huge compared to Usagi, and I dig that. That's the way it should be, because he's a rhinoceros. Why else pick a rhino if he's not going to be this big, bulky kind of dude? So they have accompanied Kyoko as uh, she is looking for Kitsune. Um, Kyoko is Kitsune's younger sister, and the two of them are street uh, grifters. They primarily pickpocket for a living, but they do other things too to grift. So, uh, But something has transpired that Kitsune is missing. And Kyoko has enlisted the help of Usagi and Gen to help her find her. Now, as they're walking around, Kyoko is telling them what has led up to this. And uh, we see that um, they're, they're in a, uh, an area of Japan that is very much known for its agriculture. And um, Kyoko feels that they have offended the yokai uh, maybe not yokai, but the spirits of the area by uh, befouling a shrine. They stole something that turned out to be a relic of the shrine and sold it. And because of that, bad omens have befallen this agricultural area. It is known for the food it produces, and now that food is, is going bad. Things won't grow. And, and so she, she feels, uh, Kyoko, that what they have done has affected this entire region, and that's, that's bad. That's weighing on her. Um, she does have a conscience, even though she lives as a pickpocket. So she's, she's a, a, a good um, bad guy, or she's a bad guy with a heart, if you want to say, or, you know, something like that. So as they're talking, we, we see and hear from the conversation between Gen and Usagi that maybe, you know, it's not that we don't believe Kyoko, but maybe there's more to it or something. Something is going on. So they go up to, they get up to the shrine and they see who they believe is Kitsune uh, sitting beside the shrine crying. And it turns out not to be. It's the spirit who guards this area, and this is her shrine, this is her home. So this is the spirit that has been offended by whatever Kyoko and Kitsune have done. It attacks um, Kyoko, but Usagi and Gen jump in between and are just very quickly dispatched by the spirit. They, they really have no chance. And then in the midst of this, as the spirit is seemingly about to kill Gen and Usagi. Uh, Kyoko says, Spirit, please stop. Here is your treasure. I took it from you. No one else did. Now, see, her story was that Kats Kitsune had taken the relic, but it turns out she had. And Kitsune, in an effort to make up for it, had gone to, you know, whatever, make good with the spirit of the shrine. So the shrine spirit and Kitsune go back and forth a little bit. And we see uh, later on that Kitsune has indeed been returned, and with Kyoko in tow here, Gen and Usagi are walking uh, probably back to the nearest village. And again, let me just say, Amy Lester, I dig the way that you did Gen. He is just so much bigger. He's a third to half a body bigger than Usagi and Kitsune, and three or four times the size of Kyoko. I love that you paid so much attention to proportions here. That's that's cool. Not that I don't like your artwork either. The artwork is really cool. It's it's very different from the 
other stories that I've seen. It's very different from Stan's art. So in in this little world that I'm talking about, this is a very distinctive art form. And uh, and and I give you give you a nod for that. As they're talking, Usagi realizes that he's a little light. Asks Kitsune if uh, she perchance has seen his purse. She gives it back to him. Um, Kitsune and Kyoko, after Usagi and Gen have left to continue their journey, uh, the two ladies are talking, and Kitsune asks her, what, how, how did you buy back that relic? I sold it. And uh, Kyoko tells her, well, U- Usagi uh, had the money, and I used some of it. And then we zoom up to where Usagi and Gen are, and Gen says, um, did you count the money in your purse? <laughs> and Usagi replies, baby steps. So he knows that he is short. Um, he he just, at first, needed to get his purse back to begin with. So he's like, yeah, he's like, eh, it's going to be short, but it, it's all good. So, all right. So there we go. Uh, that is the end, first of all, of Bunraku. Let me see if it says here in the comic. I don't want to have to look it up. Uh, next month, yeah, no indication of what the story is. I believe the story involves Usagi being hired to be the bodyguard of an artist or the wife of an artist or a creative type, something like that. And I believe that story is going to be a, a three installment story as well. So that'll take us for the next three issues of this volume four. Uh, so issue four will be what I talk about next episode. And then the fourth installment of my tribute coverage, which will encompass the seventh and eighth story uh, listed in the tribute book. All of that set up for next episode. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Talk to you guys next time. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.